You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Saturday, January 9th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, my friend? It's going well, buddy. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Good to be with you. We are also joined by contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216? All right, all right, all right. Word is good, man. Just uh, counting down the minutes till Monday. You and me both, my friend. Special contributor Matt Sloan from Brooklyn is also along for the ride today. Sloaner, good to be with you. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me as always. Finally, we are thrilled to welcome <laughs> our old buddy, Rob Elia from just north of me across the Golden Gate Bridge. Mr. Elia, great to have you on. How are you, my friend? Well, great to be here. I don't know how I've uh, deserved this honor with this esteemed panel, but uh, super psyched to, uh, to join you guys. We're psyched to have you, my friend. Of course, we are here to preview number three, Ohio State versus number one, Alabama in the college football playoff national championship in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami this coming Monday, January 11th. The game will be broadcast on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern with Herb Street and Fowler on the call, of course. The line is now Alabama minus eight. The over-under is 75. Now, that eight-point line makes Alabama the biggest championship game favorite in the playoff era, and it's the largest line in a championship game since Florida State was a nine-point underdog to Auburn in the 2013 BCS title game. It's also worth pointing out that the underdog is 5-1 and one in the previous six college football playoff championship games, so tuck that one away. As we know, Alabama brings a loaded offense into this game with three of the top five vote-getters for the Heisman Trophy, including, of course, the winner, receiver Devontae Smith, and quarterback Mac Jones, who finished third, and star running back Najee Harris, who finished fifth. Smith, this week, also brought home the coveted Bolitnikoff Award. Jones won the Davey O'Brien Award. Harris won the Doak Walker Award. Left tackle Alex Leatherwood won the Outland Trophy. Center Landon Dickerson won the Remington Award. And the entire Bama offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the country's top offensive line. Not surprisingly, Smith, Jones, Harris, Leatherwood, and Dickerson, all AP first team All-Americans. Although it is worth noting, Dickerson will miss the game with a knee injury on Monday night. Now, we also learned this past week that Bama star receiver Jalen Waddell, who broke his ankle returning the opening kickoff against Tennessee on October the 24th, has been practicing and will attempt to play in this game. Before his injury, Waddle was averaging 139 yards receiving and over 22 yards per reception through four games. But Waddle only returned to practice less than a week ago, and I wonder how realistic it is that he'll actually play. And if he does manage to see the field, I'm not sure how effective he'll actually be after such a long layoff. But even without Waddle, the Bama offense would appear to be more a more formidable challenge for the Ohio State defense than what they saw in Clemson. Certainly all the hardware they brought home this week would suggest that. Now, we know the Buckeyes counter with an offense that's equally explosive and might have had as many All-Americans as Bama if it had the opportunity to play more than five games. I mean, look, I mean, the only reason Justin Fields, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson didn't make any All-American teams is like they only had you know five regular season games to put up stats. I want to have a look real quick before I get go around the horn here and get your views on Bama's offense against Ohio State's defense. I want to have a quick look at the pro football focus grades for both of these teams because I think, I think they're topical. Pro football focus naturally loves both of these teams. They have Bama graded number one overall at a grade of 95.4. Not far behind them, Ohio State number three 
94.9. So less than a point differential, according to Pro Football Focus, between those two teams. Defensively, Pro Football Focus likes Ohio State a little better. They have them graded number five, Bama number seven. Now, what's interesting is Pro Football Focus gives Ohio State a significant edge in pass rush. They have Ohio State number one in the FBS in pass rush. Bama's 14, not bad, but there's a bit of a margin there. And then rush defense is another area that Pro Football Focus really likes the Ohio State defense over Bama. They have Ohio State number 10 against the run. Bama all the way down at number 37. So I thought that was interesting. Finally, Pro Football Focus loves both of these offenses. They have Bama graded at number two with a 97.1 and Ohio State number five with a 93.5. A couple of quick offensive stats I want to share with you guys. I want to go around the horn and get your view of the Bama offense. Scoring offense, Bama's second nationally, scoring 48.2 per game. Ohio State is fifth, scoring 43.4 per game. Offensive yards per play, Bama's number one in the in the country, in the FBS, 7.84 yards per play. Ohio State number four, seven, basically seven and a half yards per play. Total offense, Ohio State actually is a little higher than Bama, number four in the country in total offense, 545 yards per game. Bama number six with 535. And then both teams are really good converting on third down. Bama, number one in the country, converting about 59% of their third downs. Ohio State is sixth, converting about 50%. Finally, the rushing offenses between these two. There's a little bit of a margin here. Ohio State, a much more productive rushing offense, despite really not having the best running back in this game. The Buckeyes are fifth nationally, averaging 272 yards per game. That's number one in the power five. Bama all the way down at 46th nationally 186 yards per game even though they have Najee Harris who's you know arguably the best running back in the country okay now that the stage is set here guys I want to go around the horn Paige what will you be looking for out of the Ohio State defense when Bama has the ball you just know that Bama's got a prolific offense you know the wideouts are great you know the running backs great although I'm surprised they're not rated more highly for a rush offense. But the one guy, man, I, I kind of wonder about is, are we so sure that Mac Jones is really that great? Mm. Um, and and I, I wonder if if we can get to him early. And I was thinking back, not um, to the last time we played them in 2015, but when we played Miami in the national championship yeah. game, right? Huge, huge underdog. And if we were able to right off the bat, first couple series, put some serious pressure on Dorsey. And I think that's what made that a ball game, right? I mean, we were huge underdogs in that game. Mm -hmm. So I, I think in this game, the big, big thing is they're going to get theirs, right? We talked about it before. I think they're going to, you know, just, you can give Smith and, and Waddle. And I, I, I tend to disagree with you. I think Waddle will probably be a factor wow, even okay. with the long layoff. All I right. think, you know, these are, these are young kids, man. They bounce back quickly from injuries. I don't think it'll take them that long to get incorporated in the offense. So the key to me is what are you going to try and take away? And if we can get pressure on Jones early, rattle him, punch him in the face, then I love our chances. Rob, what are you going to be looking for out of the Ohio state defense when Bama has the ball? I agree with Paige on the uh, on the quarterback situation. If you look at Ohio State and some of the quarterbacks in the past that have given them trouble, they tend to be very mobile. And, um, mm. you know, Mac Jones is not going to kill you with your feet. And we saw even last year against Clemson, um, Trevor, he killed us with his legs. It wasn't his arms that brought us down last year. It was really his effectiveness when running the ball. And, you know, I think we we're a bit more prepared for it this year. And if you, you know, we can go back to – 
the Miami game, but I think you can go back to, to last week and look what we did to Clemson. I mean, they dialed up the pressure. He was uncomfortable. Yes, he got 400 yards. It's a testament to how good Trevor Lawrence is. But uh, it really is going to come down to the, the pressure from the defensive line, uh, specifically, I think, through the tackles, too. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned that, that, that kid Dickerson's out who got hurt in the Florida game. So pressure up the middle um, with, you know, with Garrett. Um, I know there's some rumors about some COVID issues with the, the DL on Ohio State, so it's going to be interesting to see who actually suits up. Right. Um, but no matter what, I think it's, you know, suit up and whoever guy is going to make an impact, uh, it's going to be pressure. You know, our secondary is not going to hang with their wideouts. Right. I think we've seen that, you know, against a lot of teams. So it's really going to be like, like, like Paige said, it's dialing up the pressure with, with a line. Matt, how about you? You know, to me, it's, you know, kind of what we talked about last week. It's kind of having that bend but don't break aspect to the game mm-hmm. um, because they're going to score and they're going to get their yards, but we can't let out the big play. So and I think that as well as they got to have a mindset of, um, I heard it in my kid's school this week, but it was like grit and don't quit. So the, <laughs> They got to be able to take the punches and know that this is a 15 round fight or 12 round, 12 round fight and that they can't, um, you know, they can't, they, they're going to have to take some blows, but they got to keep push, putting on the pressure and keeping to their plan, making adjustments where they see some uh, opportunities. But yeah, I think, you know, for what I'm going to be looking forward to is like when they get to the the second quarter and the fourth quarter, they're still playing with the same intensity that they did in the first and when they came out of the halftime. Chad, what do you think? I think that we're going to have to play, you know, sugar bucks, play like we did on Friday night, play with that same level of intensity. Everybody has a responsibility on the field Monday night. I mean, it just, you know, it's going to, you know, hurt. But I think uh, having Togi out, but Jerron Cage, I mean, he kind of pressed me in uh, that Clemson game. Mm-hmm. He was balling one with his time in there. So, you know, everybody's just going to have to uh, keep riding that high from last Friday night and, and know that we're here for, for a reason. And uh, let's just shut, shut all the doubters the fuck up. Here's an interesting stat that was mentioned on the telecast of the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State is not allowed a touchdown drive this year when they do not surrender a pass play of 20 yards or more. I thought that was interesting. So without the big play, it's it's hard to score on this defense. Now, Alabama is number three nationally in pass plays of 20 yards per more. They have 65 of those this season. But you know who's number two? Clemson. <laughs> that offense isn't exactly wow. chopped liver, right? I mean, after Clemson's first two possessions, Ohio State did a really good job of taking away pretty much everything the Tigers like to do. I mean, Travis Etan finished with 96 yards from scrimmage on 14 touches. Trevor Lawrence finished with negative eight yards rushing. And their top receiver, who we were all you know afraid of because he operates out of the slot, Amari Rogers finished with 54 yards receiving and no touchdowns. So the Bama offense, is it better than Clemson's? Yes, in some areas it is. But let's not act like the Clemson offense uh, isn't great either. I thought the high state defense showed pretty well against Clemson. I read a couple of good analyses from Buckeye Scoops, Ross Fulton and the Athletics' Bill Landis, which pointed out that against Clemson, the adjustment Kerry Combs made was to play more with two safeties. And with his linebackers lined up a little wider than usual outside the ends to clog up passing lanes on RPOs. Now, Bama is lethal throwing the ball on RPOs. So Ohio State is likely going to have a similar approach, I would think, on Monday night. You clog up those passing lanes, force Mac Jones into more of a run read on an RPO, and let the strength of that defense, the front seven, contend with Najee Harris. Now, we'll see if that's what they do. 
I expect the defense to deliver on its two biggest strengths, which is stuffing the run and bringing pressure on passing downs. That's already been mentioned, Paige, by you and also Rob. I mean, Mac Jones is completing 77% of his passes this year. He's only been sacked 11 times. But as you guys have pointed out, Jones is not a great athlete. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Tua Tungavailoa. If Ohio State can get consistent pressure on him, move him off his spots, I think they have a great shot at winning this game. And Chad, to your point, you mentioned Togiai. It's rumored that Tommy Togiai uh, and Tyreek Smith are going to be COVID absence in this game. Those are just rumors unconfirmed at this point. But if that is the case, Chad, you've mentioned Jerron Cage as a potential replacement for him. He was a solid four-star prospect, an ESPN top 200 player out of Cincinnati in the 2017 class. Now, he hasn't played a ton this season, only 79 snaps, but he's graded out pretty well, according to Pro Football Focus. There's talent there. There's also talent with Teron Vincent. Yeah right? Former five-star, the top yeah. defensive tackle prospect in the 2018 class. They I'd also love to see him step up, Z. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that uh, we may be shorthanded, but there are some guys with ability who just have to step in and make an impact for the first time. So it, it's not a totally desperate situation, right? I mean, you know, Larry Johnson's going to have to challenge him and those kids are going to have to respond, of course. Peyton, let me kick it back to you. Got anything else you want to say about the defense against this Bama offense? I, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, I, I was wondering if Coombs would go with that same defensive scheme, right? Where, um, you know, with two safeties and give up the underneath because like Rob said, right. I mean, we really wanted to take away Lawrence's ability to kill us with his feet. And we did that. But if that's not the case with Jones, does he stick with that strategy or does he go with more oppressed man coverage? I don't know. It'd be Mm -hmm. interesting to see. I wonder what anyone else thinks. Rob, what do you think of that? Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, we've talked about defensive line. We've talked about secondary and the critical piece in Ohio State's defense. I think the step up this year has really been from the linebackers. When you look at Justin Hilliard and what Pete Warner do, Mm -hmm. covering, um, you know, particularly a guy like Harris, who can kill you, you know, inside, outside, um, receiving. Warner and Hilliard have done a tremendous job of covering these 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 very good backs out out of uh, you know out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really good matchup. I you know using a guy like Baron Browning uh, to to rush. So I think the linebacker play is going to be as critical of an element and an advantage for Ohio State uh, in this one because you know I, I, the defensive line this year. I, you know, compared to last year, yeah, Chase Young is gone, but consistency across the entire line, I, I think, is up there. And mm-hmm. I really think that the step up in this year has been from the linebacker play. And, you know, they're athletic, they're mobile, and uh, they can do a lot of stuff. So that's where the importance is, you know, and not just the, the front four, but it's going to be the, that whole front seven of really keeping things in front of them. Like you said, uh, eliminating those those home run plays is going to be critical. Make them earn it. And I think Ohio State can do that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Clemson had some early success testing the edges of the Ohio State defense early in that game, and then they shut that down. I wonder if Bama will try to do the same thing, and then that would be incumbent, Rob, as you pointed out, on on a pretty solid linebacker core to, to shut that down. Matt, you got any other thoughts on the Ohio State defense? Yeah, you can file this under duh, but you know I think that um, they did a really good job tackling. Yeah, um, you know um, I just thought that they they weren't letting there wasn't a lot of broken tackles that I saw in games prior to that, and they were really sticking 
the person who hit him first or the person who was sticking. And I think that's going to be a big play, especially with Harris. You know, if he gets, you know, making sure that if he doesn't get stopped, at least held up until the, the cavalry arrives. Chad, how about you? Any other thoughts on the Ohio State defense in this matchup? I'd like to see number 24 have a good game. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd like to see him come up with a pick six and, and do something. Because, you know, a lot of people were all over his ass about the Clemson game and how far off he was playing. That's, that's, that's kind of like his, his style. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see him have a good game. And, you know, Zach, I think it was you that mentioned, I think we were talking about this on our text thread. Um, but, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Saban did throw this whole waddle thing in there just for us to have to try to prepare for him. I mean, a typical Saban smart move. The kid has no, like, you know, intentions of being on the field. You know what I mean? I, I'm <laughs> sure you can see if that's how that's going to play out. Yeah, that, that's – I mean, that's a big question. We haven't really touched so much on that. I mean, Waddle was – he might very well have been their best receiver before he got injured. I mean, even, even more so than, than Smith. So I'm thinking back to when JT Barrett broke his ankle at the end of the 2014 season and then returning, he came back in 2015, obviously a different kind of an athlete than Waddle, but he does play offense. He does carry the football. He does have to rely on that ankle to do some of the same things to avoid tacklers and that sort of thing. But I just, I mean, he broke his ankle on October 24th. He just returned to practice about a week ago. I'm with you, Chad Page. I know you think that Waddle will probably be a factor in this game. Chad, I'm with you. I'm leaning a little bit more toward this as more gamesmanship. He's a young kid also who's got doubt in his head because of his. he's coming back from his first major injury. Too. That too. That too. And that was part of JT right. Barrett's struggles in the 2015 season, right? He had to overcome a psychological hurdle. Trey Sermon will tell you, I'm sure, that it took him a few games to have trust in that surgically repaired knee from last season, right? He tore his ACL. It takes a little time, but I tell you, anything's possible. I guess it's Alabama. The talent is crazy. I would just be very surprised if, if Waddle's out there, you know, lighting Ohio State up so soon after such a serious injury. Guys, any other thoughts on the defense before we, uh, we have a look at the Ohio State offense against the Bama defense? All right. I heard an interview with Bama beat writer Michael Casagrande on Buckeye Talk earlier this week. This is a guy who's been covering the, the, the program, Alabama, for, for many years now, very close to the program. He was not particularly bullish on the Bama defense, and, and I heard him use the word vulnerable several times during the interview. Now, look, they have a good corner in Patrick Sertain, who is an AP first-team All-American. We all know Dylan Moses at middle linebacker. He's, a, he's been a very good player for them for many years. He's their leading tackler. Now, Moses is coming off a, a serious injury from 2019, a, a torn ACL. He's been good this season, not quite as explosive, though. Bama also has a pretty good defensive tackle in Christian Barmore, who was a third-team All-American, voted by the AP. Barmore is tied for the team lead in sacks with seven. Finally, Bama has a pretty nice player at safety in Jordan Battle, and we'll all remember that name as Ohio State fans. Battle was an Ohio State commit who Nick Saban was able to flip on signing day in 2019. He was considered kind of a casualty of the transition from, from Meyer today. And Battle is having a good season for Bama. He's their third leading tackler, player they obviously really like. You know, while Bama has some nice players, this is not one of Nick Saban's better defenses. We remember they gave up 46 points in the SEC title game to Florida. Earlier this season, they gave up 48 points and 647 yards of offense to Ole Miss. The Bama defense is 32nd in the country in total defense. And their pass defense is 79th in the FBS. So not lighting the world on fire, certainly by Bama standards. 
So one would think there are yards and points to be had for the Buckeyes in this game. Okay, let's go around the horn and get some impressions of this matchup for the Buckeyes. Rob, I want to start with you. Wow, there's so many things to think about here. Um, I'm going to start with the number one guy, uh, and that's Justin. And, you know, a lot of it's going to be how healthy is he and what's up with the rib or the hip or whatever is going on because that performance against Clemson was impressive. We all know how great of a player he is. Um, But what was really interesting in that last game is his ability to shred Clemson with his arm. Mm-hmm. with his legs being one of his most vital things that he pretty much shut down. You know, after that hit from Skalski, he, you know, he, he didn't want to take any contact and I don't, don't blame him for that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so in that threat of the, of, of his legs is a huge one. I mean, on the, whether it's the RPOs or whether it's on some of the read option stuff, you know, you knew he wasn't going to be keeping that ball and he still, had such an effective game and I think that is really a testament to how good he is and how how much he's really come along so I think you know to me you know he didn't get the the same accolades and trophies that uh a lot of the Bama kids did but he's right up there if not the best player on the field um Mm -hmm. I really think that he's going to show how good he is um and and just bring it to the next level and uh so I I to me it starts and finishes with with Justin and his ability to, uh, you know, to do what he does. I would agree with that. Chad, how about you? Clearly the advantage is to the Ohio State offense. Um, you know, I'm going to stick with what I said. What Clemson, Justin Fields is, is the major factor in all this. We know our O-line is just a bunch of ballers. They're going to step up. Sermon, you know, you got, um, I think they said Tiggs coming back, but I don't see Tig getting many carries, um, nope. you know. But this is interesting, um, you know, like, so Alabama in games um, 5 to 10, they gave up only 8.8 uh, points per game, like 260 yards, I think it was, and four yards per play. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the following three games, they gave up 32 points a game at 503 yards per game. Interesting. And Old Miss laid 48 points on them. Yes, they did. Okay, like, you know, I, I mean, I think – I tell you what, guys, I'm not going to get – I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but, I mean, 100% the the advantage is the Ohio State offense over the Alabama defense. Matt, talk about the Ohio State offense versus that Bama defense. Sure, Zach. I'm happy to. (laughs) Um, You know, there's – I wrote something down that uh, Alabama's offense isn't their defense. Because they basically, because I read it was I read something from one of the, I don't know if it was their school paper writer or whatever, but he said that the Sabins basically looked at this team like, look, our offense will outscore your offense, and my defense doesn't really need to. What it, it, it's not as good as this year, so as it usually is. So we'll just just keep piling on the points, and you know you may score forty eight, but we're going to score fifty six. Um, I think that. There, there, there could be a, there's, there's, there's kind of like this teeter totter of uh, things that you got to be wary of, but also motivated by. Wary of like they have good players. It's not like there's a bunch of two stars and three stars in their defense. They have top athletes. They have a really good team. It's not up to the usual Bama, you know, legend of defensive players. But they got some. They have some very, very solid players. Um, our offense. The, the counter to that is, you know, 
no one likes seeing people being named the best O-line in the nation. No one likes seeing the yeah. best quarterback in the nation. No one likes seeing the best receiver in the nation. So while we don't, it's not as titillating as Debo's uh, ranked 11th thing, there's a <laughs> lot of, there is a lot of motivation of like, you, you guys are playing, you know, America's team. <laughs> and you, you really have no business winning this game because the, the offense is just so far superior. Look at all the hardware over there. So yeah. I think it's a lot of bulletin board material, and it's a lot of stuff that we can really kind of use. And what I'm going to be focusing, hopefully, that I think will make the biggest uh, difference is the running game and the O-line and getting Sermon out there to make some meaningful yards that will open it up for the wide receivers and make Justin Fields stay a lot easier. All right. Yeah. And burn some clock too. I right? keep that Bama offense yeah, off the field. With exactly. order. Yeah. Paige, how about you? It's funny because when we talked about, you know, the Clemson game, we spent an inordinate amount of time on coaching, right? And what kind of game plan would day come up with? And, you know, uh, Zach, you talked about how you weren't impressed with what he did against, you know, Northwestern and Indiana specifically. And, and it's, that's mm -hmm. just not even a concern. Right. So, right. um, it's, it's basically just don't fix what's not broke, right? I mean, I think day, like, and, and, you know, when somebody tells you who they are, you should listen to him. He's going to be super, super aggressive. And I think he's going to, you know, have some new wrinkles. He's going to have some new looks that Bama hasn't seen. I'm 100% convinced that he played possum for that entire six-game stretch in the Big Ten and showed – nothing what they really you know had up their sleeves from an offensive standpoint mm -hmm. and he is going to stretch the field with Olave and with triple distilled and with Wilson I think Wilson's <laughs> going to have a huge game and then once they do that right then they are going to unleash my boys you know I do love me some tight ends <laughs> have some Trey Sermon <laughs> and and I think it's going to be really fun to watch I I, I think Bama is going to absolutely have their hands full to try and stop this offense. Matt, I want to emphasize what you just said, which is sitting here this week, all the major awards were awarded this past week, and you're Ohio State, you're Justin Fields, you're Chris Olave, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, and Thayer Mumford. I mean, Ohio State has some great, great players on that side of the ball in their own right. And here you are watching Bama walk away with the Heisman Trophy, the Bolitnikoff, the Doak Walker, the Davey O'Brien, the Outland, the Remington, and the Joe Moore Award. What's ironic to me is, you know, Mac Jones, supposedly the best quarterback in the country as the Davey O'Brien Award winner. But who's taken Mac Jones over Justin Fields? Nobody. Devontae Smith is the best receiver in this game. But I'm not counting Jalen Waddle because I don't think he's going to be an impact player in this game. I think Ohio State has the better receiver group top to bottom in this matchup. Bama has the better running back in Najee Harris, but Ohio State has the number one rushing offense in the Power Five. Bama has the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, but Nicholas Petit-Ferrer and Thayer Mumford are number one and number two among Power Five tackles at allowing pressure. That's according to Pro Football Focus. Wyatt Davis is a consensus first-team All-American. Josh Myers himself was a Remington Award finalist. So I, I think there is some motivation there Matt, as you pointed out, with all these awards being handed out, going overwhelmingly to Alabama, I'm really looking forward to watching 
the response of the Ohio State offense in this game to that. And Paige, I agree with you. I'm looking for Garrett Wilson to have a big one in this game. He was quiet against Northwestern without Olave. Obviously, that Northwestern defense was able to key on Wilson. And he had the big 47-yard catch against Clemson in the first quarter, but was relatively quiet after that. I'm looking for Garrett Wilson to have a big one in this game. Finally, Florida was able to do some things with its tight end, Kyle Pitts, who who's a freak, let's be honest. But they did have a lot of success throwing to the tight end in the SEC title game. I have a feeling Jeremy Ruckert could have an impact in this game as well. You know, we had an element of surprise with that work with Clemson. You know, the the huddling yeah. um, and some, a lot of the play calling. You know, there we something we said the week before about Northwestern, he, he was getting a little too cute with the play calling. Yeah. You know, is there a concern about coming out because there's you know the cat's out of the bag now with mm. what what the offense can do and what the play calling and the the the, the variety of play calling is there in concern on anyone's part that we need that we could overdo that area because it's not going to have the same effect on Alabama I don't know I mean day has got a pretty deep playbook I've been reading that he's uh, using urban Myers connections to Mullen at Florida to get some concepts, some ideas from Mullen on how he approached this Bama defense. You know, as we know, Florida put up 46 in that game. He's going to be borrowing from some of the the things that Ole Miss did. I have faith in, because of what I saw against Clemson, I have faith that that uh, Day is going to come in with, with some surprises for the Bama defense. Paige, you've already made the point, right? They played possum from a, cl- a play calling perspective for most of the regular season. I think there's still a few more tricks up Ryan Day's sleeve. Paige, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think they, they'll come up with some new looks, things that, you know, we haven't seen before. Um, and, and I just think, you know, again, I go back to, he, he says, I'm just going to be aggressive and that's what he's going to do. That's the type of coach that he is, I think, you know, and, and, and it's worked, right. I mean, let's just be honest. We were a little skeptical, you know, last week against Clemson, but I mean, there's just absolutely no way that you can't say that, you know, he came up with a, fantastic plan. The other thing I was thinking, I still really in my head can't figure out going back to motivation, how this is an eight point game. You know, like I, I, I understand we only played six games and I understand two of them weren't that great, but from a motivation standpoint, you know, if you watch those two semifinal games, I I mean, you could make a strong case that a high state looked the best number one. And, you know, Player for player, we have as much talent as they do. How in the hell is this an eight-point game? I don't get it. I'm what am you. I missing? I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't get it either. Well, I, I think that's where I was. That's where I was daydreaming too. So I think that disrespect card, and we've seen it. Um, you know, and you know that number eleven thing was uh, a huge thing. But you know, all of the things that you mentioned with these All-American lists and all the trophy and all the hardware and and an eight-point dog. I mean, throw in this, the difficulty that Ohio State had this year with not having a season, then having a season, losing your coach to COVID for a few games, possibly not getting into the, the Big Ten championship game on a you know, technical rule. All of these things that they fought through, I just think there's a motivation on this team. And, you know, sprinkle in a, a nice tweet from Saban's daughter. I just think you've got a, a, a very motivated team here. And I think it just has changed the dynamic. I'm with Paige. I know I don't see a, a, a eight-point dog. Watching that, that Sugar Bowl game, there was a stat on that where, you know, 
Ohio State's not an underdog too often, but they're eight and two as an underdog. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, this, this is a program that relishes, we know this, we relish the, the, the you know, Ohio against the world uh, mentality. And this is just one more of them. And I, I like where we're positioned. I like being an underdog. I think this team is the better team. And um, without tipping my cards, what think think is going to happen here? But um, this is a team that it should is not an, an eight point dog to a team like Alabama. Not this Alabama team, anyway. I, I totally agree with that. I was miffed when that line came out. You know, especially after what Ohio State did to a much better opponent in Clemson, and then Alabama kind of looking a little lackluster against Notre Dame. I think eight is way too high. All right. Let's fire up the concernometer here, boys. I'm going to go around the horn and get your level of concern for this game. Mr. Sloan, I'm going to start with you. Give me your score. Uh, <laughs> Just I pick know. a number between one and 10, buddy. It's 10. It's 10. <laughs> 10. 10. 10 is fine. How about 10? 10. All right. Chad? I'm going to go with a four and a half. Whoa. Feeling pretty yeah. confident. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to like jump out real quick, but like, you know, going back to what you guys said, I think honestly, when this going into this season starting, Ryan Day knew what the hell he had in that club, and we all thought it as well. I think he had a game plan from day one that being Clemson, Alabama. So I, I'm I'm so I'm so, I'm so stoked. That's why I'm at a four and a half, man. It's 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 meant to be, man. All right, PVH. So against Clemson, I was clearly a 10. I'm not that worried about this game. I'm still very worried. I mean, still Bama. Uh, so I'm at about a seven. A seven. Okay. Rob? Well, I would say I, was, I would be, you know, a, a, right at a five, which would be a 50-50. But I have to add a little bit extra concern just because the um, – you know, as a uh, fan through the Cooper years, I just I just can't get too too excited and too confident. So I'll uh, I'll temper my enthusiasm and say I am at a seven as well. A seven, okay. I've got mine at an eight point five, and I was at a ten for Clemson. And I know it's it's Bama, it's Nick Saban, it's the national championship game. Of course, the readout on the concernometer is going to be high. And most people would tell you Bama is operating on a different plane from everyone else compared to most of the FBS. That's true. But if you look at how Bama has fared in talent equated games on the big stage over the last couple of years, there have actually been some mixed results. Starting with the 2018 College Football Playoff National Championship game, a 46 to 16 loss to number two Clemson. Last year, 2019, a 46-41 loss to number two LSU in Tuscaloosa. Earlier this year, they played number three, Georgia. Now that was a 41-24 Bama win, but Georgia led that game at the half and it was a tight game well into the third quarter. And if Georgia didn't have a division three quarterback in Stetson Bennett, you know, running the offense, I mean, that kid probably would would be hard pressed to win the starting job at Miami of Ohio. The game fell apart when Bennett threw back-to-back picks late in that game. It was a three-point game. Bennett throws a a pick from the Bama 25-yard line. Then on their next possession, he throws another one deep in Georgia territory. And that was was the game. But Georgia averaged six yards per play in that game. And then, of course, we remember the SEC title game against Florida. You give up 40, you win, but you you give up 46 in that game. So mixed results in talent-equated games over the last couple of years. I'm not sure this program is as bulletproof as all those awards would seem to suggest. And let's, you know, let's make no mistake about it. This matchup with Ohio State is definitely a talent equated game. All right, let's get down to brass tacks. I want final score predictions. Rob, I'm starting with you. 
Well, in preparation for this, I had the uh, the um, the glory of rewatching the Alabama Notre Dame game, and as I had mentioned earlier, seeing Notre Dame lose yet again was always take great satisfaction in that. <laughs> um, but what I saw out of Alabama, I mean, if you remember, they only scored thirty one points against Notre Dame, and that's not a prolific defense that they were going after. Now, I I understand that they probably shut things down. It was twenty one. Uh, seven going into halftime and they well had the game well in hand and you know, d- didn't pile it on late. But um, I, I, I see a Ohio state offense that is just going to pile on points. Yes. I do think that this is going to be a high scoring game. Um, I think the defense will make it stops. Uh, originally I thought it would be a, a probably something awkward in a low scoring game, but uh, I tend to think that we we're going to see a lot of scoring and uh, you know a bit of a track meet here. So I'm going 42-35 Buckeyes at the end of the day. 42-35, a repeat of the 2014 semifinal score. I like it. You know, Rob and I are on the same wavelength because I have 41-34. Forty-one, thirty-four. Okay. You know, and I will say that uh, to preface Page's thing, it's going to be very interesting because last game he picked the other team. If he picks Ohio State and we lose, we all know who we need to blame. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, yeah, I almost don't want Page to give a score prediction. <laughs> With that said, PVH, the pressure's on. No, what's, what's your uh, prediction? No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going third. I'm just not doing it. You're not? All right. CP? <laughs> um, I'm going to go 47-38 Ohio State. 47-38. All right. Paige, you want me to go or do you want to go? <sighs> And what do See, you want, I, I, I had it all figured out in my head and Sloaner throws me a curveball <laughs> and and now I've got my, you know, my superstition hat on and I, I feel like he's probably right. If I don't pick Alabama, um, I'll jinx us. But I, I, I thought a lot about it. I wrote down a score this morning and then I looked at it again and I'm like, really, do you actually think that? And I changed it. And then I said, no, I'm just going to go back to what I thought. So I've got the game. 42 to 56 <laughs> Buckeyes. 56 to 42. Wow, you you got them winning decisively. Woo! All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, look, Ohio State has the advantage at the most important position on the field in this game. I know it's a cliche, but there's a reason it's a cliche because it's it's largely a universal truth that when you have the better player at the most important position on the field, you usually win. And I like that advantage for Ohio State in this game. I also think a lot of folks are sleeping on the Ohio State defense. A lot of people just kind of dismissed Clemson once Ohio State eliminated them from the field. But again, that Clemson offense wasn't exactly chopped liver. And and I don't know that it's smart just to assume that the Bama offense is going to do whatever it wants on Monday night. I I think there's a little something there with that Ohio State defense that folks are overlooking. And more than anything, I like this team because I think it has those important championship intangibles, toughness, resilience, and a different level of determination than I think the, the 2019 team had. The, the 2019 team, as you guys know, I the, my opinion was that they didn't handle themselves very well when they were faced with adversity in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Well, I think this team had learned from that experience, and they're going to be ready for whatever Bama throws at them on Monday night. I got Ohio State winning this one 42-33. Nice, B. All right. That's- 
So oh, how, man, how, I'm a little nervous. Z's <laughs> not at a 10 on the concertometer. He's got that score the way it is. Oh, boy. And Paige is picking us. Now I'm getting all... <laughs> yeah, Paige is picking us. Now I'm getting all... I might have to have a cocktail. <laughs> you, Zach, do you think we... I feel like we just glazed over this, like, unless I was just, like, totally out on another uh, planet, which, you know, is the case a lot of times, but um, was... Did we just kind of like cruise right over Justin Fields' entry? Rob, I think you might have made mention to that. So, Chad, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, I don't want to get into it and like, whatever, but I I just feel like we just kind of like glazed right over that. I know Mm -hmm. I think Ari did mention it real quick, but other than that, you know. I guess the reason I'm not thinking too much about it is he missed one play. And then he came in and threw a touchdown. Right. And then later in the game, he threw a, a touchdown pass that traveled like 65 yards in the air. And um, I know I, I, I just, just like those grimacing looks on his face were just like unbelievable. Yeah. I, so you know that's I mean? how much is he going to be able to run? You know, I mean, I don't know, because, you know, that running is a big factor for him. I don't want to completely dismiss it because if he gets popped there again, you know, on a, on a tackle, maybe that could really re-aggravate it. And then he's, you know, he's hurt. But I, just because he only missed one play and he came and finished the game and probably had the best game of his career. That's why I'm not quite right. as concerned about that. I know, Rob, do you have any concerns over over the injury with Fields? Do you think it's going to limit him at all? I think it's, as you said, it's an unknown, but everything that we've seen, you know, he came back, he threw that touchdown, he looked great. The toughness that he showed against Clemson was amazing. And then all of the reports out of um, you know, the Woody Hayes Center has been that, uh, you know, he's practicing, he's doing well, he's not w- walking around with any sort of concern. So, yeah, I mean, I think these guys, after a long season and a, and a pop like that, it definitely is going to you know leave its mark a little bit. But I personally have, um, I, I think he's going to be ready to go. I do think you'll see his legs a little bit more. And this time, you know, it's the last game too. So he's just going to ball out. And um, there's no reason to hold anything back. Uh, this is a team of destiny. And I think J- Justin has really taken it personally too. You know, you think about, I mentioned all this adversity stuff, but, you know, you, you think about it, here's a guy that was, you know, let us play. And, and he was a big factor in getting all of this, this team back on the field. So I don't think uh, there's to me any, any concern as it comes to fields. Um, and if anything, he showed a lot that he doesn't need to run. Um, he doesn't need to bail out. He can sit there in the pocket and do his thing and make smart decisions and you know get rid of the ball at the right times and make the, the delivery to our tight ends or, guys out of the back uh so yeah on the concern meter with fields i'm i'm at a two i'm right there yeah I, I'm all right ari i like pbh <laughs> any concerns for you on on fields health going into this game it just depends what it is i mean i've seen two things that it was a hit pointer and you know then his ribs mm-hmm. um if anyone's ever bruised ribs um you just don't heal from that number you know in a week number one and then number two there's, there's not much treatment you can do for it. It's not like there's a whole lot. So, uh, right. but I agree with Rob, right? Like he, he has taken this personally. I mean, that guy could have just said, I'm done. Right. And I'm going to the NFL and I'm a top five pick and I don't have to do, you know, any of this stuff. So, right. um, and I, and I think he's definitely, you know, probably felt a little bit slighted, you know, that he didn't, he wasn't really on any list for any awards and he, he's taken it, it personally. I, I, it could definitely be a factor for sure. Um, you know, and the other thing, just thinking on the, the positive karma factor scale, we do pretty good with second year coaches. 
bringing home the hardware. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. <laughs> Matt, did you want to comment on, on Fields injury? Any, any concerns for you? Yeah, I don't think any player who plays this game is 100% going into any of these games, especially at the tail end of the season. Uh, and also they got you know, the medicine and the people around staff around them that have probably a, a millionaire probably has to take care of them mm-hmm. and get, and get them and recoup them back into shape. And I'm sure they're not breaking a lot of books. So I'm sure there's a lot of resting and, you know, recuperating going on and, you know, like what, what can't be cured. I'm sure he'll get the same cocktail he got in his arm last week and he'll be fine. <laughs> All right, guys, anything else about this matchup you'd like to share before we wrap things up today all right hey guys go thanks bucks. so much go bucks thanks so much for making the time rob it was an absolute pleasure to have you on hopefully you can join us yeah enjoy the slopes today re yeah enjoy yeah. the slopes yeah, i will thanks Great. for having me guys this uh, awesome. wonderful all right boys we will reconvene at some point next week to hopefully talk about the 2020 national champion no no no, no 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 not hopefully <laughs> hopefully, not hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right i love it okay all right yeah, boys let's go, go baby come on go bucks have come a great on, day buddy. boys later later you've been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com